What's going on, everybody? This is Cody with Drew Coat Sports Talk. I got a brand new episode for you guys. I am doing a solo show. Uh, I am actually traveling for work right now. I'm currently in Arizona. Drew is back home in California, but he's actually extremely busy with a wedding that is happening this weekend for his sister-in-law and his soon-to-be brother-in-law. Shout out to both Maya and Neo. Um, so I'm actually going to be giving you guys a solo episode. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Raiders losing week three to the Titans, who's to blame, and if the Raiders are the worst team in the NFL. Also, I got a couple of NFL storylines that I'll be talking about and giving just some opinions on, and then I got some MLB questions. So before we get started, though, guys, please don't forget to uh, you know, go like, share, follow us on social media, on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, chalkboard, all that good stuff. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. So with all that being said, let's get started. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this uh, recording. And I appreciate you guys for following us on all those social medias, like I mentioned, to do so. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and go to the episode description, the link in our bio. You can Google us for real. Just go ahead and follow us on all those social media platforms. Uh, We're so grateful for this journey, and we want you guys to be a part of it. So please don't forget to do that. And again, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and the uh, YouTube channel. So, man. It has been a chaotic last few days um, for Drew and I, and so <laughs> so, we'll, so I'll give you guys a little brief uh, uh, personal notes on what's going on with uh, Drew and I. So Drew and I uh, have been trying to get into playing golf recently, and I say recently as in like earlier this summer. I want to say around May or June, and the reason why is because my company – I uh, was doing a sponsorship, and it was a part of a golf event where uh, my company would man a four-team golf participants in this uh, tournament, and it's all for fun and charity. It's not really competitive. I mean, you can kind of turn in a scorecard for more prizes or whatnot, but anyways, it was just something that we did for fun. And anyways, so Drew and I have been trying to practice since, I don't know, June for this event that happened this past Monday as I'm recording this on Tuesday evening and so on Saturday uh Saturday that just passed us uh we went and tried to do 18 holes at uh, a golf course uh, in Fresno and that was bogged down by a bunch of people that were there and by the way the weather in Fresno at this time had been really nice Uh, and so obviously a lot of people were out and we had a tea time for like 1130. We showed up, uh, on time and our, we didn't even get a chance to swing off the tees until gosh, 1245. Cause there was just so many people that we were waiting on. And again, we scheduled for 18 holes, but we had to cut it to only nine because there was just no way we were going to do it. Cause even, we started at 1245 and we finished hole nine and it was already four o'clock and we were like, we got to go. Cause there's just no way that we're going to be able to knock out another four hours of nine holes. So we bailed. Um, and then, so on Monday, our team showed up and it was uh, me, Drew, of course, a colleague and her husband. It was the four of us. And thankfully it was a little bit easier cause just the four of us kind of just doing a scramble 
and we started on hole six or something like that, and then just began. And man, did we <laughs> have a hell of a time. Um, you know, some swings were better than others for sure. I'd say Drew is probably the better golfer out of the two of us, hands down. And thankfully, one of our teammates was a pretty good golfer, all things considered. And he made it a lot easier for us because, again, in scramble, if for those that don't know, it's basically best ball or whatever you want to call it. And uh, thankfully, shout out to Kevin. I'm sure he'll never listen to this episode. But if he ever does, <laughs> shout out to you, Kevin, for uh, getting us out of uh, some tight squeezes because there would be times where neither Drew nor I had a good shot off the tee box or anywhere, and, and uh, our teammate Kevin would come in and – crush it or have a really good shot and it put us in a better position so all things considered i think we finished our round of golf we did 18 holes for this charity event and i think all things considered we finished not eight or nine over i think so it wasn't a terrible game all things considered but you know nevertheless it was fun uh i we i for sure got got very sunburnt on my ears on my back uh, I, I'm sore today cause we were basically walking up hills and, and it was a beautiful golf course that we got to play on. So we were really fortunate to do that. And again, it was all for a work function and, and then it, it was, it was phenomenal. It was a ton of fun and I, I'm so glad we were able to do it. And on that same day, so this is on Monday, we had this golf event. I had to get on a plane and fly to Phoenix because I have a I have a work thing that I'm here for for a couple of days, and so I had to get on a plane shortly after the tournament, and I didn't get into into Arizona until like 11:30 to check into my hotel, and so I've been running on fumes since. But it's the life I live, man. I can't uh, I can't hate it. Just love it. So, anyways, that was a little personal stuff that's going on. I appreciate you guys for bearing with me on sharing that. I just figured it was some funny to talk about but anyways we're gonna get started real quick on some of these uh on this episode that you guys are patiently listening to so so it's no surprise that the Raiders are still just having issues and none were more apparent than week three against the Tennessee Titans um you know this whole start of the season for the Raiders has been a disappointing one to say the least to start and week one, we went against the chargers and we lost not by much, but we lost and, you know, penalties got in our way. Our, our pass rush wasn't really getting home like we were hoping for. Um, and we just couldn't make the plays that we needed to, to close out the game or to, you know, excuse me, to take the lead and then move on. So, and then week two, it looks like our offense gets a little bit better. We take a pretty sizable lead into halftime and, you know, the rest is history with the Cardinals coming back in the second half and defeating the Raiders in in a dramatic fashion in overtime, which, by the way, is still frustrating to think about. Now moving on to week three, the Raiders lose by two points to the Tennessee Titans. There was a score of 24 to 22, and this is played in Tennessee. Um, the Raiders, I would say, start out very, very flat. Um, and... You know, the run game for the most part was doing pretty well. Josh Jacobs ran really hard considering that he basically had an illness for the last couple of days. It wasn't even 100% when he played on Sunday, and he looked really good. He rushed really well, and then uh, the offense just was flat to start, had some moments where they 
looked better, but overall just still not not what we're looking for. And you know, Mac Hollins was a godsend for that for in that game. If it wasn't for him, we probably would have lost by more because he was able to get behind the defense. He was able to make some plays when it mattered. Um, you know, some of the frustrating things too was some of the drops that the Raiders had. There was a pass that Derek Carr threw to Darren Waller. I think it was in the second or third quarter. And Darren Waller goes up with minimal effort, sticks out one hand to try to wheel it in. And I mean, was it a little overthrown? Yeah. But I mean, Darren Waller has made tougher catches, in my opinion, than the one that he attempted. And you can just tell on the replay, it was just a lack of of effort. And it just it was just saddening to see because it was right there. Had he caught it in stride, which he could have easily done, probably would have taken it to the house. And then there was a, a pass that uh, was thrown to Darren Waller in the red zone. I think this is a drive later. Or maybe it was it was even this. I think it was the following drive, or maybe it was two drives after that. But anyways, we're in the red zone, and Derek Carr throws a, a pass to Darren Waller again. Hits him in the hands. Darren Waller did get hit by I think it was the linebacker of, of Tennessee. So it really disrupted the play, and that's what led to an interception in the in the red zone uh, for the Raiders. But Darren Waller had the pass hit him right in the hands. Couldn't bring it in. And probably because he was worried about getting hit again, because I think that same drive he had gotten hit by the DB for um, going down the middle. So anyways, that caused a turnover, and that was lost opportunities right there where we could have either tied, I believe, or um, we would have um, taken the lead. And then there was a a red zone pass that was thrown to uh, uh, Keenan Cole Sr., hit him right in the hands, and he just dropped it. So. You know, I mean, I'd like to say that had we had Hunter Winfro, things would have been different. But I don't think that having Hunter Winfro would have made anything of a difference. I just think this rhythm of this offense is really thrown off. And, you know, in week one, you know, we went to um, Devontae Adams. I think it was we targeted him 17 times. He had 10 or 11 receptions. And obviously, clearly, he was the number one guy. And, you know us Raider fans were, you know, like, yes, we love the fact that, you know, Adams got all these receptions, but, you know, we would like to see more guys get involved. So what happens in week two, you know, more guys get involved and Devontae Adams doesn't really get anything. And in week two, what ends up happening, um, Devontae Adams goes pretty quiet and not because of the Arizona defense, because Devontae Adams still caught a touchdown pass in week two against the Cardinals. Uh, but, you know, we try to get more people incorporated and involved in the offense. Week three looked like that we were going to go with Devontae Adams a little bit earlier, and we tried to. And again, he caught a, you know, reception in the in the end zone. And then it just doesn't look, it didn't look like that we were focusing on giving him the ball or force feeding him the ball like what we were doing with the Chargers in week one. And, you know, thankfully we had Matt Collins to bail us out of a lot of situations, but I was just disappointed, and I know that Drew is too, is we have this high-profile receiver, and I don't think it's any fault of Devontae Adams. I just think it's the Raiders' offense, play calling, whatever the case may be, where he's just not being the focal point. He's not the first option, and I get it. Defenses are probably scheming for him to be covered, 
and I and I get that, but there's so many creative minds that are in the NFL. You know, arguably we say that Josh McDaniels is one of them. Surely, like there's some sort of play that can be drawn up to get him some separation, considering Devontae Adams is probably without question the best route runner and you know, separator of a defender that there is in the league. And the fact that we can't get him the ball is just kind of it's just kind of frustrating. So, you know, I and I think all of Raider Nation feels for Devontae Adams being frustrated. You know, he comes from an uh Green Bay who has a quarterback that force fed him the ball, whether that was probably the play call or not the play call, and forced the ball to Devontae Adams. And, you know, again, there's been a lot of drama in the offseason about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and Devontae Adams' comments and stuff. And I think what doesn't help is, you know, the story that, you know, Las Vegas nearly had Tom Brady um, and Gronk in Las Vegas. And essentially it was nixed by John Gruden. And now if people were to see that, you know, would the same issues be happening if that end up happening? And it just makes it look worse with, you know, again, this play calling with Josh McDaniels and, you know, sometimes the the indecisiveness that it looks like is on Derek Carr and all sorts of gambits of issues. And it's no it's no wonder why Devontae Adams is frustrated with everything that's going on, you know, we, we basically assume that it was dysfunctional in green Bay and really it's, I wouldn't say it's dysfunctional in Las Vegas, but the play is poor, which is what he's extremely frustrated with, which I absolutely do not blame. I do not, you know, fault him for feeling. Cause I mean, all of us are feeling the same thing, but with all that being said with the loss to Tennessee, you know, the biggest question I think we have to ask ourselves is who's to blame for this loss in week three. And I've got two major ones. Um, one of them is our pass rushing defense. I mean, one of the things that last season when we had Gus Bradley, uh, we had uh, Yannick Ngakwe that, you know, with Max Crosby, we were able to create pressure. And we had Casey Hayward Jr., who was a lockdown corner for us and, you know, made plays for us. But, you know, our defense, ironically, was, you know, what it wasn't the greatest defense, obviously, but it surely was better than this defense. And arguably, you know, the consensus has been, you know, Patrick Graham is the better defensive coordinator, which I still believe. But Gus Bradley had it looked like a better defense last season uh, with Yannick Ngakwe as the opposite rusher of Max Crosby, and now with Chandler Jones in there. Um, not and again, I think Chandler Jones I think is returning from an injury from last season. Um, you know, I know that he's a little bit older, but you know, really we paid a lot of money to get him into this offense or get, excuse me, get him into this defense. And he is just not getting home. Like, yeah, there's some highlights where, you know, he's either being double teamed or he's got some quarterback pressures or whatnot. But Max Crosby has, has all of the sacks right now. 
and with pressure on the opposing quarterback could lead to turnover opportunities or, you know, could stop momentums. Like it's one thing if our pass rush, you know, would maybe get to the quarterback a handful of times. We're not even talking about that. We'll, we're lucky to get one sack in a game, let alone, you know, two or three, which is what, you know, we kind of need to get drives to end on third down, which is what our biggest offense still is, is not getting off the field on third down or drives from the opponents extending because, again, our defense can't get home. And, you know, I'll use week two against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the reason why Kyler Murray looked so good beating the Raiders is because our pass rush, one, couldn't get to him. And when the play extends for as long as it does, the secondary breaks down and that leads to either, you know, a wide open receiver or that leads to, you know, Kyler Murray in this case in week two getting a rushing touchdown or a two-point conversion or whatever, as everyone has seen that highlight of a basically a a damn near 30-second play that took place um, that looked like a play out of Madden straight up. So, um, so I'm going to say that it's our pass rush defense is one of the main things that's to blame for our loss in week three. And then I think, in my opinion, the number one, I can probably come up with a dozen more reasons why the Raiders lost week three, but I think the primary one is Josh McDaniel's play calling. You know, it's just frustrating where there's, you know, when Derek Carr looks indecisive, um, you know, the the pass blocking is breaking down. Our run, Our run game looks pretty good, all things considered. I would say... You know, if Josh Jacobs continues to rush this well and remain healthy the rest of the season, I say he's earned himself a contract extension. Um, or if he's, or if he walks away from the Raiders, someone's going to pay him top dollar because he definitely deserves it. He is proving that this year that he is that guy. But Josh McDaniel's play calling is too inconsistent. I would say, even though the defense against the Titans gave up quite a bit of offense. Um, you know, Patrick Graham was really good about making adjustments and changing things up to where it made it harder for Ryan Tannehill and the rest of the Titans offense to get going. But yet Josh McDaniels could not make that same adjustment. And he tried. You can tell there were some things that kind of worked out. But, you know, we can't get into the red zone and not come away with points. Um, and it just doesn't seem like we did anything to try to get Devontae Adams the ball anymore you know Darren Waller is a huge red zone target I think we should focus on but you know again this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier is you know there was a lot of drop passes that really either prevented touchdowns stop momentum you know that you know that's not Carr's fault per se but you know it's a it's a fail as a team kind of a situation but I I kind of see this Josh McDaniels play calling thing as part of the issue. Like, you know, the, the gross thing about it is that John Gruden's offense at least would challenge the defense, you know, down the field. It may not be the best, but at the time it's just to keep that, keep those, you know, safeties or those DBs honest. And yet Josh McDaniels is very conservative. You know, there was some part of the game where they were using tight end, two tight end sets, which looked very familiar to the old Patriots Patriots offense of before, which is fine, and you know a, a pretty good run game, but 
you know, we have this great weapon in Devontae Adams that we're just not focusing on any longer. And, you know, I'm I'm not saying to go target him 20 times, but, you know, like, can we target him more than five times in a game? Because I imagine if we purposefully scheme plays that we can call upon or whatever, I'm sure... Devontae Adams can find a way to get open and we can get him the ball and move the change, extend the drives that basically what gets us is we can't get off the field on third down and we're on the field for long drives and it then it we give up touchdowns because we're tired or we're out of sync. We can do the exact same thing in my opinion. And I don't see why we have to continue to act as if Devontae Adams isn't the best receiver on the field, and we don't give him the ball immediately. That's just my opinion. So, again, the Raiders' pass rush defense is a big offense as to why we lost, but I think a bigger one, in my opinion, is Josh McDaniels' play calling in that game. And it should have been a lot better. And, you know, we, we just need to change things. And you can tell there's a lot of frustrations within that locker room and that offense I'm sure is frustrated because they're probably wanting to do one thing and they're being coached a different thing or for some reason the game plan that they all have just isn't there and rather than make adjustments they just seem to do the same thing which is not working out so now this kind of leads into a question that I put on here and Drew isn't here to defend this so you're going to get my answer for it but Question is, are the Raiders the worst team in the NFL? Now, I don't want to put words in Drew's mouth. I'm going to assume he's going to say no. And I wouldn't be upset with that answer. I think that's very appropriate. But in my case, I would say, you know, the Raiders are 0-3. Yes, they are the worst team in the NFL right now, at least at this moment. As week three has ended and the way that the Raiders have lost these games Now, I'm not saying the Raiders are like a trash offense or defense. They're playing like it, but I definitely think that they are a lot better of a team. I mean, now that we're 0-3, even if we attempted to get to the wild card, it is a slim chance that we get there, and I totally recognize that. Is it possible? Yes. Is it likely to happen? I'm going to be honest. Probably not. Just because you you can't go 0-3 in a competitive AFC conference, in a competitive AFC West division, and expect to get into the playoffs. You know, we are lucky that we are, that our three losses were by one possession each, which means that we could have either been 3-0, and 2-1, and 1-2, and but no, we're 0-3 because of our execution, our play calling, in my opinion, and a lot of poor decisions. So, yeah, I think that we are the worst team in the NFL at the moment. And again, I can't get over the epic collapse that we had in week two uh, against the Cardinals. That's a huge one. Our pass rush, that's not there. Josh McDaniels play calling. Our offense being flat in general. Some of these guys being undisciplined on offense when it comes to penalties that stop our drive or stop our momentum. It's a lot of things. I was telling this to Drew on Monday when we were doing our golf event. Uh, I was I was telling him, you know, I kind of wish that, you know, the one thing that is tough about this whole situation with Derek Carr, and again, we're back on the whole train of like, 
you know, Derek Carr is the issue. We need to get a new quarterback and all this. I don't think that Derek Carr is the issue. Do I think that he's struggling in this new offense and there's some things that's going on? Yeah, I'm pretty certain of that. But I don't think that that means that we need to make a quarterback change right now or at the end of the season. What else is out there? We're not going to get any crazy draft pick because we gave one of our first-round picks to Green Bay for Devontae Adams, so we're not doing that. Um, I don't know who you think we're going to trade for, but I think Derek Carr is going to be is fine. Now, here's what I was telling Drew on Monday that makes it tough, is now that that report of Tom Brady uh, should have came to Las Vegas, but, you know, for some reason, John Gruden stopped that. Um, you know, I can't imagine that if Tom Brady was on the Las Vegas Raiders that he would allow this sort of dysfunction or chaos or anything without getting into his guys' ears. And what I mean by that is Derek Carr is an extremely – he's a great teammate from all accounts of all of his past and current teammates. Um, he definitely is a man of faith, conviction. He's the ultimate teammate that you want by your side because he'll, he'll, he'll never leave your side. But sometimes his nice guy persona is fine. But in moments like this, when you're 0-3 and your offense is disorganized and you need to call it out to the carpet, I can't see a time where if Tom Brady was on the Raiders that Tom Brady doesn't chew out a couple of teammates for whatever the situation is, whether that's bad practice habits, whether that's bad execution. I don't see a world in where Tom Brady would allow that if he was on the Raiders. And this is where I kind of wish that Derek Carr had a little bit of an asshole in him, so to speak. Pardon my French, but I kind of wish that he was a little bit of an asshole to some of his teammates to just get them fired up, get, you know, keep them accountable in that sense. And I get it like maybe he leads like that behind the scenes, who knows, but from what it looks like is it is I don't see Derek Carr as that aggressive leader when it it's needed to be. And I think Stephen A. Smith on first take pointed this out where like, hey, when are you going to step up? And I think that's just more than his play on the field. I think that's also, in a sense, his leadership to like step up and to confront some of his teammates if he sees that there's a lack of effort, there's a lack of dedication, there's a lack of focus. You know, this is where I wish Derek Carr would be some of an asshole and get into his guys to get them on this same page and correct this ship. So that's what I would, that's what I would hope for. But you know, and again, for us Raider fans, we had all this high hope with Josh McDaniels and you know, this offense, this defense, we were a playoff team last year. Um, and now the way we start is we're dysfunctional, disorganized, poor play calling as I've repeated several times. So it I mean, I don't want to say it, but but clearly we are the worst team in the NFL right now. Um will that be the case come week 4? I don't know. We'll have to see how we do against the Broncos. We're at home. It's a divisional game, so you know there's a lot at stake. The Broncos don't look very good offensively. They look like they are a um very disorganized offense as well. But you know what doesn't look really disorganized? That defense. That secondary looks really, really good. And that pass rush looks really, really good. They really gave 
the 49ers an issue on Monday night football. And I can't imagine that it'll be an, an easy battle against the Broncos for the Raiders. So, you know, I hate to deliver all that info. And, you know, when Drew listens to this, he'll probably disagree with me, and that's totally fine. But as I sit here today, that's my thoughts on where I think the Raiders are at and, and if they're the worst team. And it's no surprise that people are calling for Josh McDaniel's job already, you know, three weeks into the season. I think that's a little extreme, personally. But, I, I mean, I get it. I mean, we don't seem to be as improved as what we, I would, I would assume we can all say promised from what it seems like. I've been saying all offseason that I think this team is going to surprise some people and they're going to be special. And they are definitely not special. And they are definitely surprising people, but not for all the right reasons. And this is where I, I can get it, you know. They want Josh McDaniels gone because of his play calling. I'm not quite there yet, and I told Drew this, that you know, if Josh McDaniels continue to get worse, there's no progression, there's no wins, there's no nothing. We are just st- still the same poor, ran team, whatnot. I would say I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Raiders decided to let go of Josh McDaniels after this season. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. I think that we will get on somewhat of a winning track by how many, by how many, you know, wins will we get? I don't know. Um, but you know, if there is somewhat of an improvement and encouragement to end the season, to, to kind of take into the off season, then I think all things will be okay. But you know, we'll see. It does not help that we are starting 0-3 looking terrible, and there is already a misnomer that the Raider fans were trying to defend with Josh McDaniels when Josh McDaniels was a bad head coach for the Denver Broncos. Uh, it does not look good that, that uh, you know, the Raiders are now feeling the bad fortune of Josh McDaniels uh, after an entire offseason of hyping up that, yeah, we're, we're here, and clearly we're not. And a lot of dysfunction still, so... Anyways, guys, thank you so much for uh, hanging in there with me with my uh, soapbox uh, about my Raiders. Uh, you know, Drew and I have uh, exchanged texts and polos and lots of uh, <laughs> lots of anger, lots of frustration, uh, a lot of uh, mood swings regarding our Raiders and with how things are turning out. So, uh, you know, we are <laughs> we are going through it, man. So. Uh, if your team is doing well, we're really not ready to hear that. But if uh, they're struggling like our team, which not a lot of teams are doing that, you know, we're right there with you guys. So anyways, I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit about some NFL storylines and then I'm going to wrap with some baseball. So stay tuned for that, you guys, and I'll be right back. All right, you guys, welcome back. Uh, Thank you guys for hanging in there with me on this solo show. Uh, So... When uh, Drew and I were talking about this, we were talking about doing some overreactions or or uh, not overreactions, but uh, it's kind of hard to do that with him not here. So I just chose some storylines here, and I'm just going to talk about them uh, a little bit. And they're not from every game in the in the week three. They're the majority, but these are the most important. I think that are pretty um, pretty important to talk about. So so again. Uh, This is regarding week three. So first one is Tua and the Dolphins defeating the Ravens and the Bills in back-to-back weeks. Um, 
you know, I think it's kind of surprising. Um, you know, the Dolphins look to be a better team than what maybe I had anticipated. And, you know, uh, Mike McDaniel's offense looks really good. Tua is coming into his own. He did have a uh, have an injury last week against the Bills. Potentially, I think, could be out with a concussion because uh, there's a, some questionable de- decision-making regarding uh, – the Miami Dolphins sidelines trying to say that he had a back injury when clearly he looked like a fighter that just got knocked out uh, uh, in a boxing match. And as he tried to stand up, couldn't even find his feet. So don't understand how that's not a concussion. But anyways, Dolphins, though, look really good. That defense looks pretty stout. That offense is electric. They came back from being 28 down against the Ravens. And they held the Bills to, I think, 19 points and made, you know, Josh Allen's offense look a bit confused and frustrated at times. And, uh, you know, two in the Dolphins, man, they look they look serious. So uh, I'm not quite sure if I think that they are for real or not. I mean, are they a, a perennial playoff team? Yeah, I think that they probably will make the playoffs. I mean, they look like they're the best they look like they're, if not the best team in their division outside of them and the Bills. It looks like it's a two-man race between those two. But they're for sure an AFC wildcard team. I can't think of a, a team that would probably beat them out in the wildcard. And I say that as somebody that assumes that the AFC West is going to have two pl- teams representing the playoffs. They'd be lucky to have just one, of course, the division winner. But they don't look very good right now. So, anyways, Eagles also... Uh, defeated I believe they went against um let's see the Eagles beat the commanders 24 to 8 they uh, really <laughs> made Carson Wentz work for all 211 yards that he threw for out of 43 attempts. Um, Eagles defense basically were locking down the commanders. And Jalen Hurts, again, throws three touchdowns for 340 passing yards. Uh, Devontae Smith looks absolutely amazing. He had eight receptions for 169 yards and a touchdown. And also, too, A.J. Brown had a touchdown as well off of five receptions. Man, the Eagles, in my opinion, look like the best team in the NFC. I don't know of a team that looks as good to compete with them. Um, you know, they they are a team to be reckoned with. And, you know, Drew and I were talking about that they are kind of like a, a sleeper team in in when we were doing our regular season predictions. I was saying that Eagles are like number one or number two in – playoff rankings and I mean I think they have a really good shot at making a deep playoff run and possibly getting into the into the Super Bowl I mean you can't count out the Rams just because those the Rams are defending Super Bowl champions are definitely going to put up a fight um you know the Buccaneers who I'll talk about in a little bit you know you can't count them out with Tom Brady they're injured right now so when they get healthy towards the end of the season which is where you want to really hit your stride and be healthy they're going to look really good, um, and their defense is way, way better this season than last season, much improved. 
Um, that that pass rush is absolutely deadly, and you know not a lot of teams can survive that. This is again, this kind of goes back to my Raiders point. This is why we, you know, paid so much money to t- uh, Chandler Jones for this pass rush that's not there. It's because it kind of helps set the tone for the defense, which is what the Bucks have been doing pretty much the whole season up until this past Sunday when they lost to Green Bay. But I don't see a team that's better than the Eagles. I mean, I'm not saying that the Eagles are going undefeated, but, you know, there's not a whole lot of competition for them in the NFC to challenge them per se. So um, another storyline here is um, Jimmy G and the Niners lose to the Broncos or Monday Night Football by one point. Um, you know, Jimmy G and the Niners, they looked like they were out of sync, and I, I didn't even realize that when Jimmy G was basically on the trading block, he basically didn't even get a playbook or nothing and was kind of away from the team for a while other than, like, game days when he'd dress out, which I find absolutely crazy. And thank God he was still on the team. Um, you know, Trey Lance, you know, breaking his uh, his leg, unfortunately, and his ankle is a terrible, terrible, you know, outcome for for him and just, you know, hopefully the setback isn't too much because hopefully his comeback will be greater than that. But, you know, you got to assume now that Jimmy G and the Niners are a potential playoff team, but not off to a great start considering that the Broncos uh, beat them and Jimmy G just, you know, seemed to just not be in 100% sync with his guys yet. So that'll probably get corrected relatively soon and then they'll get back on track. But, you know, 49ers should be really thankful that Jimmy G wasn't so petty and, you know, decided to leave or just not come back and play. But, um, you know, Broncos are tied for first place now in the AFC West. Shout out to Nick. I'm sure he's happy to hear that. And I'm sure I'm going to hear it from him come Sunday if he if uh, the Broncos beat my Raiders, which I'm not going to be happy with. But anyway, shout out to you, Nick. Broncos are tied for first place right now in the AFC West. Uh, moving on to the next one, Colts got their first win against the Chiefs. I didn't see a whole lot of highlights. I, the main highlight I saw, though, was the Chiefs basically struggled to move the ball down the field, and it looked like towards the end of the game, uh, Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy basically got into it, somewhat of a heated discussion. I'm pretty sure it's common. I mean, I've, it's not the first time I've seen coaches and players get into it. But... Uh, But just kind of strange to see. I mean, you know, Drew and I have been talking about how it's odd that Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a head coaching job yet, and he's been a coordinator all these years, and there's all these coordinators that seem to get hired, you know, and not necessarily qualified to be a head coach or maybe shouldn't be a head coach. Um, you know, Nathaniel Hackett is the first one that comes to mind with that, with the way that this Denver Broncos team looks. Um, you know, you would think they'd look a little bit more organized, and they don't. But I guess there's, from what Sean McCoy said on, I think it was on Speak on FS1 or, I don't know, one of his shows that he does, where he basically said that, or no, I think it was Twitter, excuse me, where he basically said that Eric Bieniemy doesn't know anything about play calling or X's and O's and whatnot. So, I don't know, there seems to be a lot more there, which maybe could be why Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a head coaching job. But um, just kind of strange to see the Chiefs this this disorganized, so... You know, <clears throat> all good, but Colts finally got their first win. And Lamar Jackson, so ch- touchdown tracker. So if anybody remembers that we did an over and under segment where we said 
I basically took the over of Lamar Jackson getting 50 total touchdowns uh, this season. And Drew took the under, of course. Right now, Lamar Jackson out of, at uh, four games has 12 total touchdowns. I think three of them are rushing. And that's within three weeks. So if he's averaging four touchdowns per week, uh, he'll get pretty close. I mean, he might even shatter it. But I doubt he'll average three or four touchdowns uh, per per game through the end of the regular season. So, but right now looking really good from what I'm predicting, but uh, obviously they dominated the Patriots. Patriots probably lost Mac Jones for the season, which is unfortunate, but you know, they could not find an answer for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson looking like a true MVP right now. I think him and Jalen Hurts are tied right now for lead for lead candidates in the MVP race. Early, early, early MVP talk, but I think those two right now are on a on a race right now to the end, and I think it's going to come down to those two for sure. Last one is Packers defeat Brady and the Bucks. Um, <clears throat> you know, the Packers look like finally they found some sort of uh, receiver that they can rely on. Looks like uh, Romeo Dobbins um, finally kind of showed up. And it looks like somebody that Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, trusts and respects. So, you know, that's good. So I guess if you don't have, uh, if you don't have Dobbs in your, uh, you know, in your uh, fantasy lineup, I guess now is the time to go bum rush over there to go pick it up. But, you know, I'm not too concerned with the Buccaneers losing. Basically, you know, the Packers handed them their first loss. So now Tampa's two and one. They still lead their division, but. I'm not too concerned. I mean, Mike Evans was out because of a suspension, not because of injury. Um, Russell Gage looked really, really good still. Uh, I think he had like 12 receptions. But, you know, all things considered, though, the Bucks defense was still there, even though that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers scored two touchdowns. He did turn the ball over. Uh, you know, and when the Buccaneers get healthy, where they get uh, Chris Godwin, uh Mike Evans, and they get Julio Jones back from injury. They're going to look like a really, really tough team to beat considering if their defense plays good. So all these people that are concerned with Tom Brady, I think these concerns are obviously early on in the season, but as the season goes further and players get healthier, this team is going to, I think, bounce back in a big way. So I can't count the Bucks out for sure, and I think that's why they're one of the teams in the NFC West that – you have to see as a threat. Now, you know, I think if the Green Bay Packers can sort out their issues um, in receiver because, you know, Alan Lazard had four receptions off of six targets. Uh, Robert Tunyon had seven targets but only caught in six receptions. Again, Romeo Dobbs, and I mispronounced his name earlier as I said this, Romeo Dobbs had eight receptions off of eight targets, and he looked really, really good. Now, will that happen week to week? You know, who knows? But I would say, yeah, Green Bay is somebody to be worried about in the NFC. But if Green Bay and the Eagles were to face right now, Green Bay wouldn't do so hot, I don't think. I think the Eagles defense is probably top 10 right now and their offense is definitely top 10 they have a ton of weapons that I don't know if the Packers have enough to stop so 
Well, that concludes my NFL recap, so to speak, or the storylines that I've picked and wanted to talk about. Uh, So got a couple more minutes here, so I'm going to talk about some some baseball, some major league real quick. So, excuse me. So obviously, as everyone has seen, baseball is coming down to an end. I think there's only eight games remaining right now. And a pretty big storyline has been, obviously, um, in my opinion, the, the AL MVP race, where it's essentially a race between Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani for AL MVP. And so I guess the question that I was going to ask Drew, but I'll now put it on here, is, you know, who is the AL MVP? And I don't want to sound... Um, you know, I don't want to sound rude or disrespectful, but I don't even know why we're still having this discussion. It's clearly Aaron Jones. And the reason why I say that is because sometimes baseball strikes me as interesting when they give the MVP award to a player that statistically had a phenomenal year. But if he had a phenomenal year, that team would have made the playoffs, in my opinion. Like, you don't see, you don't see in the NFL the, like, you don't see like the starting quarterback for a barely above 500 team gets the MVP trophy because, you know, literally without that quarterback or whatever player is helping them win games, um, they would get the MVP. No, it would go to the best team's player um, who would get it. So, like, you know, for example, um, you know, we'll just hypothetically say, let's say Joe Burrow goes, you know, seven and ten this season with the Bengals, and statistically has a great year, but the Bengals lose. You know, um, th- I don't see him getting the MVP because we'll just hypothetically say Jalen Hurts has like a forty touchdown year with five thousand passing yards, a couple of interceptions, and his team gets into the playoffs. I don't know how you would make that decision to give it to the underdeserving player, in this case being Joe Burrow as the example. But in baseball, sometimes they will give their MVP to, you know, the player that not necessarily helped them win, per se. I guess that's the best way to describe it. But again, I don't know how this is the debate. It's clearly Aaron Rodgers, or excuse me, it's clearly Aaron Judge, who is the AL MVP this season. Shohei Otani had a historical year, and I don't think that's anything to take away from him. But, but what's incredible is that he is doing all the stuff that we've never seen before. But Aaron Judge has also just hit sixty home runs, which has not been done in I think twenty years. So. That's impressive right there. And yes, Shohei Otani being a hitter and a pitcher is something that we've never seen since, you know, some would say Babe Ruth. But Aaron Judge has helped keep his team into playoff contention, helped helped clinch their division, and has brought them back from come from behind victories multiple times a season. So in my opinion, it's Aaron Judge that earns and deserves this AL MVP award. Not Shohei, not uh, um, Otani, who, you know, in all in all seriousness, is wasting away in 
in uh, L.A. and in the Angels organization since they're not going anywhere. It's kind of weird how they have two generational players and still can't get into the playoffs. So, anyways, if for what it's worth, my opinion on the AL MVP is it's Aaron Judge's, and that's the final answer and the correct answer forever in the end of time for this season. Um, now, I was going to pose this to Drew, but of course he's not here, as I've mentioned. So I guess I'll just pose it to you guys. What milestone is more impressive, Aaron Jones hitting 60-plus home runs or Albert Pujols hitting 700 career home runs? Um, my first initial reaction would probably be that Albert Pujols hitting 700 home runs is more impressive to me because, one, to get to 700, you got to have a lot of longevity. And I think he's in his 22nd year right now. So he's played long enough to where he is – the fourth member ever in the history of the majors to hit for 700 home runs. And, you know, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, excuse me, Aaron Judge is doing something that not a bunch of players have done before in history too. But, you know, Aaron Judge is in a pretty early stage of his career where he may hit multiple seasons of high 40s, maybe even 50s. Heck, he may even repeat 60 for all we know. But I just think that there is something to the longevity of hitting 700 home runs that makes that extremely impressive. All things considered, with Albert Pujols being, what is it, 41 or 42, where he, I think, is at 20 home runs. And he's hit several multi-home run. Uh, he's had multi, He's had several games recently that all of them were uh, multi-home run games which was impressive in itself because I remember when Barry Bonds, one of his final seasons with the Giants, where I don't even know, I think he was like past his 40, I think he was like 42 as well. You know, his age caught up to him to where he was not as, he was not as um, as good at, at the plate as he obviously used to be. And it seems like Albert Pujols this season has been seeing the ball really well and hitting it extremely well. And I know that we had our big uh, live stream party with all the other content, uh, with all the other podcast creators uh, about Albert Pujols and making fun of him that he wouldn't get out of the first round in the home run derby. And sure enough, he did. And I just think that just speaks to the longevity, the endurance that uh, that Albert Pujols has had this his entire career to get to 700. And I think it's really cool that we get to see that and witness it. And to me, in my opinion... 700 career home runs is a little bit more impressive than, you know, hitting 60 home runs in a season, even though Aaron Judge is doing something that historically hasn't been done in a really long time. I think it's a really cool time to be a baseball fan to see all this happening. So anyways, that's my take on some baseball for you guys. I know that Drew's normally the baseball guy, but of course I got to get some in here for him since he's not able to do this with me right now. So anyways, guys, that's our show. So I'm going to wrap um, been nearly an hour i appreciate your guys' patience and listening to me just you know go on and on and on in a circle with really no uh with no point to just about anything so i appreciate you guys for letting me just ramble on as i sit here in my hotel room uh in in uh phoenix so anyways guys i'm gonna let everybody go i appreciate you guys so much for listening uh please go subscribe and download our podcast we are available on all the major platforms on spotify apple Podcasts, iHeart, google Podcasts, all that good stuff 
you guys. So please go subscribe and download our podcast. Also, you guys need to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will be having new videos posted uh, very soon. And also, we will be doing live streams again soon. Uh, once all this uh, chaos uh, kind of settles down, Drew and I will be back together and live streaming all over again. And we'll have lots of video content for you guys coming out. Um, and don't forget to follow us on social media again. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, through Code Sports Talk. That's where they are all at. So we appreciate you guys for going and liking and following us on those platforms as well. And a couple of uh, other things too. Uh, giving a shout out to FNXFit.com. Uh, if you guys are looking for some workout gear or supplements, again, Drew's always raving about their protein powder, the peanut butter flavor one he said is elite. I've been waiting to try some. Uh, they're always out of stock though. So I would always recommend a secondary flavor if you guys can't get the first flavor that you guys are wanting but they have tons of great supplements creatines uh you know the amino acids uh, i think they even have vegan protein or plant-based protein so all that good stuff go check out fnxfic.com they also have workout gear i love getting the gear so i'm a big gear head about that stuff uh and you guys can use our promo code drewcoke 15 to get 15 percent off your purchase when you guys are checking out uh promo code will be in the link of this episode and in our uh, link tree as well so you guys don't want to miss that and also drew code is proud to announce that we are affiliate partners with fnx fit or excuse me with not fnx fit with fanatics.com we are a part of their affiliate partner program now very happy about that so in the link in this description uh, of our episode and again in our link tree we have uh, special links for you guys to begin shopping at fanatics.com to get your special team that you guys are looking for right now I just checked on their website and they currently have uh, 65% off store wide and they also have a ton of free shipping days as well so follow us on social media to find out when those are we'll be, we're going to be sharing those like crazy and also too again guys if you guys are looking to get a good deal on gear such as hats shirts uh, autographed jerseys um, you know they uh, they have now the NBA action figures that are out now for the upcoming season all that great stuff go to fanatics.com again the link is in our uh, episode description and in our in in our link tree and it's a special one and we'll be sharing it all over social media guys so we just want to announce that proud partnership with them are very excited to be working with uh, with uh, fanatics.com so that's it you guys i will let y'all go uh, we will be back next week to talk about all the great stuff that's happening in the world of the nfl uh, major leagues and probably the nba since their season is starting up pretty soon so i appreciate you guys i am signing off please uh, be kind to one another and i'll catch you next time High ambitions in the right mind can take you so far. It's like you lived a few lifetimes. Take off from a break off from the weak mind. Take a stay 